Let me invite you to grab your Bible and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. I remember my uh, first leadership position was in the fourth grade. My teacher told our class that we had to elect a president of 4-H. You guys remember 4-H? Were you involved in that? Now, I, I did not know what 4-H was. I didn't know what they did. But I heard that word president and said, I want to do that. So I had to go before the class and had to give a speech. And somehow, some way, I was elected the president of 4-H. And still, I had no idea what they did, what I was supposed to do. So my first order of business was to ask my best friend to be my personal bodyguard. He said yes, of course. He would escort me around the playground during recess while I stood on top of the slide and gave commanding speeches to my new servants. Now, I learned through that experience that leadership is more than a title or an honor or getting a personal bodyguard. There's actual responsibility involved. <laughs> There's actual leading of people. And I didn't do a very good job of that in the fourth grade. And thankfully, the stakes were not very high. But we've all encountered leadership like that. What, uh, what we might call unhealthy leadership. People who, like me in the fourth grade, want the position but don't want the responsibility. As a pastor's kid, I grew up with a front row seat to leadership. I, I watched my dad, who, who was a great leader, and I'm so thankful for his example. But I also saw a lot of not-so-great leadership. People who abused their positions of authority. People who were not good examples. People who didn't really have a heart for serving others. My own time in ministry has confirmed for me even more the importance of leadership. As a young college student, just starting out ministry, I got to witness all sorts of really fun things. Uh, things like angry deacons meetings and contentious business meetings, moral failures, church splits, backbiting, and politicking. I saw the good, the bad, and the ugly. So one of the reasons I knew God was calling me to Blue Valley Baptist Church was because of the healthy and strong leadership we have here. I became convinced during my studies in seminary that the healthiest model of church leadership is what is called a plurality of elders. So rather than one guy who's kind of the CEO type, senior pastor, it's a group of men who lead and shepherd the church together. When I saw that Blue Valley had a plurality of elders, had long-tenured and faithful and experienced leaders, and, and had a healthy workplace where staff and people liked each other, and then I saw that we have one business meeting a year with a barbecue cookout afterwards, <laughs> and we have deacons who love the Lord and, and serve the church, that's when I knew God was leading me to see and to learn from healthy leadership. And look, Blue Valley's not a perfect church, but I say with complete honesty and confidence that I have never seen or heard of a church with such healthy and God-honoring leadership as we have here. I get to see our elders, our deacons, our staff when they're behind closed doors, when they're in their homes with their kids, when the going gets tough. And we have so many godly people, men and women, who lead with integrity. I routinely thank God that I get to be a part of this church. Healthy leadership is important. 
And that's what we're going to talk about this morning because we preach through books of the Bible from start to finish. So occasionally we come across passages like this one. Peter's going to address specifically elders, and this is the home stretch. He's closing out his letter. He's giving instructions to the church. And, and remember with me that this was a church in crisis. They were facing persecution. They were facing difficulty. They were exiles, outsiders in their culture. And it's when you're in a crisis that you realize just how important leadership is. I think back through history of all the crazy things that have happened and how leaders have risen up and, and helped uh, make a difference in the world. So in the midst of exile, in the midst of crisis, Peter takes a moment to speak to the leadership of the church and he gives us a picture of what that leadership should look like. So let's read through our text. And let me invite you, would you please stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word? 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Now, First thing you may be thinking right off the bat, why do I need to hear a sermon that is directed to elders? This is for you, preacher boy. <laughs> well, not so fast. Remember what I said about the marriage passage? This letter, the whole thing was written to the whole church. It would have been read aloud to the whole church. It's for everybody. So that's how it is for us too today. And, and let me just give you three reasons really quick why you need to hear a sermon on elders and church leadership. First off, the Bible's description of leadership of elders can be an example for all of us as leaders. We're all called to lead somewhere, whether it's in our job, in our neighborhood, in the church, in our home. And while this passage is directed specifically to elders, the principles here can help all of us be Christ-like leaders. Second, this passage is important because it helps all of us better understand the church. The local church is important. I hope it's important to you. It's, I'm guessing since you're here. So we need to make sure we understand how the church should be structured and organized. There are specific instructions about this in the Bible. Why does Blue Valley have elders? What are they supposed to be doing? How are we supposed to relate to them? This is going to help us see that. And third, this passage is important because it will hold us accountable to being a healthy church. If we're going to be a healthy church, it starts with healthy leaders. And it's all of our jobs to ensure that that happens. In other words, I need you to hold me accountable to be this kind of elder. Jeff, Jeff, and Ricardo really need you to hold them accountable, okay? <laughs> I'm kidding. But don't forget that, that elders are, are nominated by you, by the church. We vote collectively to call someone as an elder. We also vote collectively to remove someone as an elder. So, so we need to know what the Bible says about this and how to encourage elders in their role. That's why this passage is important. So with that in mind, let's break it down. And I want to give you three things we learn about the leaders 
of an exile's church. Here's the first. Number one. You ready? An exile's church is led by partners. Partners. Look at verse one with me again. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Uh, So first off, you may be wondering, okay, what is an elder? I thought that was someone who was like older than you. You know, you're supposed to respect your elders. I used to think the same thing in the Baptist church I grew up in. We didn't call elders elders. We called them pastors or we called them brother. Did anybody grow up in a church where you called everybody brother? I still love it. If you want to call me brother Mike, it takes me back to the south. Um, But don't get tripped up here. In the New Testament... There are three words used to describe the same leadership office, pastor, elder, and overseer. All three of those words speak about the same thing, the role of a pastor. The other office we know in the Bible is the office of deacon. So whereas the deacons take care of the physical needs of the church, it's the elders that take care of the spiritual needs. And notice that Peter exhorts the elders, plural. This is what I meant a minute ago about plurality of elders and this is the new testament pattern that we see it's not one pastor shepherding and carrying the entire flock by himself rather it's a group of men sharing the load as equals but lest you think i'm just expressing my opinion or making it up let me show you where else we see this in the new testament let's go through some some verses here we read this about the church in jerusalem in acts 15 4 When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders. Acts 14, 23 says this, Paul and Barnabas are planting churches, and here's what it says. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church. When Paul met with the the leaders of the church in Ephesus, here's what it says about them in Acts 20, 17. Now from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. James wrote this in James 5.14. He said, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And lastly, Paul commanded Titus in this way in Titus 1.5. He said, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So we see there multiple different books, multiple different authors, all telling us that elders are plural, more than one. And here at Blue Valley, the way we're structured, we have two different kinds of elders. We have vocational elders, meaning men who do this as a full-time job and are compensated for it. We usually refer to those men as pastors, but again, same word. Then we have lay elders, uh, which here at the Ridgeview campus, we've got Jeff Herman, Jeff Allen, and Ricardo Moreira. And lay elder means that they serve with the same level of authority that I do, but they're not compensated for it, and they work other full-time jobs, and we say, God bless them. Um, But that's kind of how our church is structured, which I believe is, is pretty close to the New Testament church, and that's who Peter's writing to here. Peter describes himself in these verses in three significant ways in that, that first verse, verse 1. First, he calls himself a fellow elder. This is a big deal. Because Peter was an apostle. He was a big dog. He was Jesus' right-hand man, his best friend. He preached the first sermon on Pentecost. He was a leader in the early church. And yet he wants these elders to see that he considers himself on the same level as them. This is humility. Peter could have spoken down to him. He could have used his power to command them, but he doesn't. 
This shows us that humility is important for the office of elder. And it speaks to the idea that in a plurality of elders, there is equality. Even though some of our elders served the church full time and spent years to get a seminary degree, we do not have more authority than our lay elders. Even though Pastor Derek has been a pastor longer than I've been alive, you can tell him that, he's been a pastor here at Blue Valley since I was in high school, he does not get two votes. No, when it comes time to make decisions, every elder has a voice and every elder has one vote. And you can just see how beneficial this is to the health of our church because we know it's so easy for one guy to get on a power trip. And want to do things his way and make all the decisions. We see this happen in churches and businesses and organizations. But listen, this is not possible at Blue Valley Baptist Church because we are fellow elders. Second, Peter refers to himself as a witness of the sufferings of Christ. This is where he speaks to the idea that he is an apostle. He was one of the chosen 12 who witnessed the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus He was there, and because of that, he has a unique calling. So Peter's letting these elders know that even though he's equal with them as a fellow elder, he also has a special responsibility to lead the church. We see this elsewhere in the New Testament. There's this idea that even though elders are equal, there are some who may be what's called a first among equals. They have a special level of responsibility because of the the calling God's given them. 1 Timothy 5, 17, Paul writes this. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. In our setting, a good example of this would be our lead pastor, Pastor Derek. Uh, Like I said, he, he gets one vote. And I've witnessed occasions where he's been disagreed with and even outvoted. Yet with the day in and day out of our church life, he's the one that leads our staff. That's his particular calling as a first among equals. We've called him to be the lead pastor. So so Peter, he was a fellow elder. He was also a witness of Christ's sufferings. And third, he says he's a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. He's talking about the moment Jesus returns. We all see Jesus. We experience that joy. And this is not something that only Peter will experience or that only elders will experience. This is something all of us will see. Every follower of Jesus will be there in that glory. So Peter, what he's doing now, he's now identifying himself with the whole church. And this is important because here's what we forget sometimes. Pastors are people too. (laughs) Like pastors are not in some super Christian, holy roller, higher than everyone else category. Yeah, pastors lead the church, but we're also members of the church, just like you. We are regular, normal people with all kinds of problems, and some of us a lot of problems. (laughs) Some of you know me well enough, you say, yeah, we know, there's nothing special about you. But, But seriously, pastors struggle with sin. Pastors say things and think things. They shouldn't. Pastors have bad days. Pastors need the ministry of the church too. Yet there are some who act like pastors are closer to God than everyone else. I heard a pastor stand up in front of the church I was at one time. He told the church, he said, all right. He said, here's the pecking order in this church. It's God, it's me, it's the deacons, and it's you. I thought, oh boy, this is not going to go well. (laughs) 
Like, sure, I've got an office here, and i got some fancy paper framed on my wall, but I'm a follower of Jesus just like you. I love to pray for the needs of our church, and that's a part of my job, but I don't have a special microphone in my office that gets me a direct line to God. God is not listening to your prayer, and he says, oh, oh hang on a second, I, I got a pastor beeping in. Let me take this. Listen, I greatly appreciate your respect and honoring me, loving me as one of your pastors and leaders. I, I respect the trust and the authority you've given me. But I want to also balance that out and tell you, I am an ordinary sinner. All of our elders are ordinary sinners, desperately in need of the grace of Jesus, just like you. And this gets us all the way back to our original point. We are partners. Elders partner together in leading the church. And then we all partner together as one church body. I need the church too. I need to sit and worship with my church family. I need to be in community with my church. I need to be serving and making disciples with my church. And Exiles Church is led by partners. That's first. Here's second. An Exiles Church is led by shepherds. Look at verse 2. He says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Uh, the Bible often describes the role of pastor as a shepherd. This language would have been familiar to Peter because remember, this is the same charge he received from Jesus. You may remember after Peter betrayed Jesus three or denied Jesus three times, Jesus appeared to him after his resurrection, restored him, and he asked him three times. He said, Peter, do you love me? Then tend my sheep. That word tend is the same word as shepherd. Why are pastors called shepherds? Well, there are four things that I think really illustrate the work of an elder, things that shepherds do. First off, shepherds lead their job is to lead their flock where they need to go to the right pasture to protect them from danger. Elders do the same. Second, shepherds feed. That's the other command Jesus gave to Peter. He said, tend my sheep, and he said, feed my sheep. The job of a shepherd, a shepherd is to make sure his sheep stay healthy and have enough food to eat. So the job of an elder is to feed his flock with the word of God. That's why one of the qualifications of an elder that's different from that of a deacon, it says they must be able to teach. Elders personally teach the Bible to the church and oversee the teaching ministry within the church. So shepherds feed. Third, shepherds care. Shepherds are responsible for caring for the needs of their sheep. When they get hurt or they have struggles, shepherds care for them and help them heal and grow. In the same way, elders should care for their flock. And fourth, shepherds protect. When David fought Goliath, he told Saul that he wasn't afraid to fight Goliath because he spent every day as a shepherd fighting off lions and bears from his sheep. In the same way, pastors are called to protect their flock from sin, from division, and from spiritual attacks. So, so that image of a shepherd is, is a great picture of what a pastor should be and should do. And Peter says we do this while exercising oversight. This means serving as an overseer, which tells us that word overseer, that word elders, the same office. Then Peter lists off three ways that pastors should not lead by giving three sins that pastors are particularly prone to. Look at the rest of verses 2 and 3. He says, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. 
not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. The first sin that pastors must avoid is serving out of compulsion or obligation. I remember uh, when I was a teenager, people would always tell me, oh, you're going to be a pastor just like your dad. And I'd say, no way. <laughs> I didn't want to do that. Uh, pastors, to me, I didn't think pastors didn't make any money. They have to deal with all upset people. Like, I wanted to do anything else but be a preacher. You might guess that God changed my heart. <laughs> he got a hold of me. And when I surrendered to ministry, I'll never forget, God gave me this desire to preach and pastor people. Like, I got to a point where I couldn't help it. I had to do it. Whereas normal people sing in the shower, I would preach in the shower. Total weirdo. Like it was, it was like this fire in my bones at this point in my life. I'm not sure I could do anything else. Honestly, I don't have the skills to do anything else. But the point is, elders should want to serve, believing that God has called them to do so. Second sin elders must avoid is greed. Shameful gain speaks to gaining money improperly or immorally. And greed is something that all of us could struggle with, but pastors need to be especially mindful of not misusing money, particularly the money of the church. One of the great things about Blue Valley Baptist is that we have an incredible system of accountability surrounding our finances. Did you know that our pastors and our staff members, we have zero idea how much anyone gives to the church? It's totally confidential. Did you know that we voluntarily have an audit performed on our church every year? <laughs> you can imagine how fun that is. Did you know we have multiple people count our offerings every Monday morning? People who are not on staff or elders, they're regular congregational members. We have people who monitor every single dollar we spend and where it goes. Did you know that we recently became members of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability? which is an organization that strictly vets churches to ensure they're good stewards of their finances. We got that seal of approval. I say all that to say it is important that we as a church guard against any improper use of our money, that we be good stewards of what you give us. And elders should set an example in that. The third sin that elders must avoid is domineering over the flock. That word domineering means forcefully ruling over. It refers to using force to bring something or someone under your authority. We may see that in the business world. We may see that in the political world. But there is no room for that kind of leadership in the church. Elders are not to lead with political maneuvering or flaunting their power or emotional intimidation. Elders are to lead by example. One of the things I consistently tell myself, you cannot lead people somewhere you're not willing to go yourself. And this is true of all leadership. You're not going to be perfect as a leader, but man, it's hard to teach someone about the Bible when you don't read it yourself. It's hard to teach someone to pray when you don't pray yourself. And again, this is my personal challenge. I ask myself this question, Micah, if every member of Blue Valley were on the same spiritual level as you, how healthy would our church be? Leaders, especially elders, are called not to dominate, not to force, not to be political, not to rise above and look down on everyone, 
but to go under and serve and lead by example. So we're led by partners, led by shepherds. Here's the third and last, number three. An exile's church is led by stewards. Look at verse four. He says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Chief shepherd is, is, is Jesus, and that title is, is so significant. It's, it's there to remind elders that the church, the people of God, their flock ultimately belong to Jesus. Like, I was that pastor's kid that told my Sunday school class as a little kid, I said, yeah, this is my dad's church. Uh-huh. I know all the best hide-and-go-seek spots in this place. I can do anything I want. I thought I was special because my dad was the pastor. But let me tell you, I was put in my place really quick <laughs> and told that the church belongs to Jesus. As elders, this is not our church. It's not your church. This is the church of Jesus. We belong to him. He is our authority. Therefore, the church is not a place for pastors to get their way and fight for their agenda and fulfill all their dreams. Pastors and elders serve the agenda of Jesus. He is the chief shepherd. We're just stewards. And notice that our stewardship is temporary. It says when the chief shepherd appears, when Jesus comes back, there's not going to be no need for me anymore because we're all going to see Jesus. I'm going to be saying, hey, don't listen to me. Let's go listen to that guy. And lastly, Peter tells the elders that they will receive the unfading crown of glory. The Bible often says that believers will receive a crown in eternal life or in heaven. Is that literal crown? Maybe. Is it symbolic of something else? Probably. But this is part of our motivation. It's part of an elder's motivation. We don't work and serve for earthly rewards or man's praise or to have a big platform or even have a big old church. We serve knowing our reward will come in heaven. And think how important this would have been to these first century elders. If the church was under threat of persecution, who was going first? The elders. So he tells them, as he does all believers in difficulty, he says, it may be tough now, but one day it'll all be worth it. It's no secret that being a pastor is challenging sometimes. Every career has hidden costs that people don't see. And I don't want you to think that being a pastor is worse than any other job or that I'm complaining or ungrateful. I love what I do. But I'll be honest with you this morning as a pastor's kid, as a pastor now, I'm going to let you in on the inside a little bit and share with you some things that others might not tell you about. Sometimes pastors get mean-spirited criticism. It usually comes anonymously or secondhand. Sometimes pastors walk through the most difficult moment in a person's life and the happiest moment in a person's life in the same day. Sometimes pastors struggle with loneliness because, believe it or not, not too many people are dying to be friends with a pastor. Sometimes pastors don't know who to share their personal sins and burdens and struggles with without being thought less of, so they just hide it. Sometimes pastors struggle to read God's word for themselves because they're always thinking about preaching it to someone else. Sometimes pastors are mentally and emotionally exhausted, yet they're still expected to act pastorally and reverently. 
Sometimes pastors doubt God's calling on their life and end up walking away from ministry. Did you know rates of depression, burnout, and even suicide for pastors are up? I was told when I started out in seminary, the professor told us, he said, gentlemen, in this room, only one out of ten of you will still be a minister when you retire. Sometimes the wives and kids of pastors feel like they live under a microscope and are held to a different standard. Sometimes pastors don't know when to stop working because it feels like the work of ministry is never done and they neglect their family and rest. These are honest Real challenges the pastors deal with. And again, I, I don't share this for pity or to get you to like me more or really for me at all. But I share this so you know how to pray for your elders. I spent most of 2020 as a student minister watching as our elders served in what they described as the most difficult year in their ministries. So I encourage you, and I am not ashamed to tell you how much I and we depend on your prayers. Your prayers sustain us and energize us so much more than you know. But I also want to say how grateful and blessed I am to be a pastor, to be your pastor. Despite the, the struggles that come with ministry, the task of elder is a joy when you serve godly and encouraging people. And my family and I have received nothing but support and love from this campus. So this is not, uh, trust me, this is not a cry for help or a complaining session or anything of that nature. But really what I want you to see is how important the role of our leaders is. Not because it benefits me or gives me job security, but because God saw fit to put this in his word. And it is essential to our calling if we're going to be the church in exile and a healthy church. It starts with elders who are partners, shepherds, and stewards. It takes all of us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.